Well, welcome everyone. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, owner with True Safety Services. And today I'm really excited to bring someone who's very special to me. Um, so Rick Powers, also known as Ricky Bobby, owner of Rocky Mountain Tap House here in Greeley, Colorado. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So there's a lot I want to cover and I know we don't have a lot of time, but there's, so there's a lot, just kind of like we were talking about before we got started here is, so we met a couple years ago mm-hmm. and something, how, how did we even get introduced? Uh, I think it was when I was at Eagle Automation. Okay. Uh, going through uh, safety and training and needing some assistance out in the field with supervision. Okay. All right. And so I vividly remember the training aspect. So I don't know how we got into it. I know you're probably, like you said, reaching out for training. And then I don't know how the conversation started rolling with your background and your history and your experiences. So for everyone who doesn't know, how did you get into the oil field? How did you, I have a ton of questions. I know a lot of the (laughs) answers. I know a lot of, I know some of the answers, but how did, for those people that don't know, how did you get into the oil field? I guess we'll start there. Okay. Uh, spent two decades in law enforcement and okay. uh, came out, wasn't sure what I was going to do, and had a very close friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, Alex Irizarry. Uh, I'd watched him progress as a teacher, mm-hmm. and then the funding got cut for his position, and he had to find a new career, and he went into oil and gas. So I watched his growth and progression from teacher to this hammer-swinging big oil field guy with boots and a muddy truck, and I thought... I can get in with that and uh, okay. jumped in, starting doing uh, flowback. Okay. And uh, at that time, it was all vertical wells. Okay. There's only a yeah. couple horizontals out there. They were they were new and, and unique, and people were just talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of hammer swinging, a lot of pipe moving, but I fell in love with the industry. Um, and, and you were in Greeley at this time? Or you yep. were in Colorado? Yeah, I was in, okay. I was in Colorado mm-hmm. and uh, started out just doing basic flowback and production watch. But one of the things that struck me was, I'd come from such a, a rigid background of structured training mm-hmm. uh, with police. And, uh, you know, we yeah. had block training and specialized training. And so I'd amassed all that training and felt like I was really at the top of my game and well-prepared. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when I came into the industry, they put me through one eight-hour safe land class. <laughs> so that was your first yeah. exposure. Yay. That was your first oil and gas Safety training, safe land, and what was your first impression? So what year would this have been around? Uh, late 2010, early, no, 2011. would have been 2011. So what was your first impression? Because you had no oil field experience mm-hmm. prior, and what, what did you think about safe land? <laughs> I thought, my God, they've given me a wrench and said, good luck, don't die. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. That was green hat. Seriously, yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. Stuck me on a pad, and mm-hmm. I couldn't name anything on the pad. And it was get out of the truck, go grab these numbers, come back, don't touch anything. Mm-hmm. And if something breaks, call me or send me a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And so I can't tell you the number of times I would call somebody and go, hey, it's it's that blue thing. It's clicking again. I'm not sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's the red Kimray. Well, there's like a thousand things made by Kimray. Yeah. They're all red. Yeah. You know? So. Um, that was really frustrating. So, so many people can relate to that. I mean, and you know that, mm-hmm. but I mean, so many people can relate. I mean, we're doing safe land every Thursday and I have a good friend of mine that, um, went to high, went to middle school, high school with my husband and he's been in management. Uh, we got his bachelor's in business and he's been in management for the last seven years. And this, he's now joining the oil field 
and having a loved one, you know, having a friend, <laughs> a the going into the oil field, and I'm thinking, you know, just the thoughts again. It's like, did Safeland do enough? Yeah. Today he's yeah. in first aid and H2S training, and it's like, I'm having side conversations with the instructor. I'm like, hey, make sure that you get to him because mm-hmm. he doesn't know anything. But that's that's everyone. That so so many right, people can relate right. to what you're saying is Safeland first aid H2S. Even if if they even get that training, they're out in the field. Hey, don't kill yourself if you have questions. Call right. me. Yeah, there wasn't any mentoring. Um, the first guy I got was a train wreck um, manager. No, no oh. I was the first guy they assigned me to. Um, okay. He wanted to watch movies and eat burritos and minimally get out of the truck. <laughs> okay. So I learned very little from him. But I was very fortunate. The second guy I came in contact with and then a, a group of young guys that had been out there with some time before me uh, took time okay. to show me what they knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really started the ball rolling for me because I needed to know by necessity for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had come from a career where I knew – nearly everything it wasn't an expert but I knew nearly everything and I felt really good about it and then I came to this and I knew nothing so I'd start from scratch so so you were asking a lot of questions or you didn't feel uh, comfortable no. to ask questions no 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 I asked you were the one that was like I'm asking everything uh, that I don't one. know and the I'm guy delivering you. the porta potties I asked him questions like it didn't matter who showed up to the pad like if we had time to talk number one I was talking to him to find out what they were doing there mm-hmm. basics right um, oh, but, but yeah, that's basics. Everybody that came out, I wanted to know what their job was, what they knew about downhole, because no one knew a lot about downhole at the time, or at least in the circle I was in. I don't um, think people understand the fundamentals of oil and gas, no matter what, no matter what division they're in. And tell me if you, th- if, I might be wrong, but whether so, you're, I don't think people understand what's going on around them, like Clearwater. Like, does anyone know? There's just so much. I don't know. Do you each feel division that has understand? its. I think each division has its kind of slice of the pie in their arena. Yes. That they operate in. Yes. But it's not transferred over to the others. So like, what's going on? Uh, if I'm a roustabout, around right? Mm-hmm. Roustabouts have an amazing understanding of things. They build everything mm-hmm. from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. And they do so much work on location. Mm-hmm. But they might not get exposure to how the production systems work on the surface equipment, right? That's or what I'm at. Yeah. the rig guys and the, the downhole guys have an amazing understanding of that, you know, thousand pound monster that's down there that they're trying to rein in and control. Mm-hmm. And they understand it and they know it intimately, mm-hmm. but that doesn't transfer over to the people that manage the surface equipment that come out and have no clue what's downhole. Exactly. Right? So there's a lot of arenas, I think, where they're all really well versed and really great in their arenas. In but what they do. It's a very unique slice of the pie, right? And, and the others don't get that exposure. I, I think there's a, a big room for cross-training. But to your point about Safeland, H2S, First Aid, all those, those are, to me, like booster shots. Like in the military, you walk up the line and get shot in the arm, and like, okay, you're ready off. Yeah. That's really just a starting booster shot, right? That's mm-hmm. a must-have that everybody gets, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Industry standards. Awareness. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really an awareness piece, mm-hmm. right? To say we're at least at this level of having been trained to this and exposed to this, right? And then where do you see companies, because I know you work with a lot of different companies, you're exposed to a lot, of, you have relationships with tons of um, people in, on the contractor side, on the operation side, on the operator side, and so where do you think companies lack? Are they ending at the initial training and they're not... And a lot of companies aren't focused on the continuous part, or do you see a lot of companies um, continuing that training, but there's not enough um, meat into the the training that's done monthly or weekly or 
what do you see what do you see the industry lacking I guess probably um, from looking at all the different companies I've been exposed to and worked with they're, they're all striving to do a good job yes but I yes. think by and large the biggest struggle I see is uh, quality assurance so okay so we, let's yeah, say we... let's say you bring them in and you give them the booster shots okay they have PEC they have safe land they have all these basics under their belt but mm-hmm. um, for their specific job um, if it's roustabouting, if it's production, if it's drilling, whatever the job is, um, have you quantified what that job really is? Can mm-hmm. you break it out into steps? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're saying that this guy is a tech two or an operator two, what is operator two? What's operator one? Have you defined all those levels out? Have you done field testing, exam testing? Because you need both to really quantify what they know and what they don't know. What are their strengths and weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I've seen where like, oh, this guy's been in the patch for seven years. Well, guess what? He had bad and information from the first guys he got trained with, and that just Absolutely. carried on through uh, clawing and scratching through other people, and he picked mm-hmm. this up here, and maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. Mm-hmm. But you really don't know unless you line it all out and say, yes, this is a vetted list mm-hmm. of what we believe is uh, – level one, level two, level three for their particular job. Sure. And then test them and teach them and empower them with it. Um, so until you know that, you don't know. It's a, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, and to your point, the alternative is that person who's been doing that job for seven years or five years or now three years. They've been doing a great job, and now they're a manager, and now they're training everyone below them. So the alternative is we don't know what you don't know, and now they're training all the other new hires coming on. Mm-hmm. And there's no system for it a lot of the times. Is that what you're saying? That yeah, so think, and I guess in my mind, uh, Mike Stewart. Uh, was my old manager at Noble. Okay. And he really lit a fire in me and empowered me with um, instructional system design, trainer classes, and and really helped me grow that out when he and Zach and I were doing the Pumper Academy at Noble. Yeah. Um, And one of the things we were striving to do, and and they're continuing to do there, is think of Star Wars, right, and Stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. You know what a Stormtrooper is. They're, they joke about the cloning, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're all the same way you can expect to get this out of a stormtrooper every time, right? Mm-hmm. You know what they're trained to, what they're capable of, right? Mm-hmm. And the same kind of mindset should be with all our operators, right? If I get a true safety person, mm-hmm. I know they're going to be versed in X, Y, and Z, and I can guarantee that they know all these things, right? And I have that core knowledge that I know they've been trained to and vetted through, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it should be that same way, that they're all spray-painted with the same information and the same training. Now, they're going to have unique strengths mm-hmm. and unique weaknesses that mm-hmm. need to be worked on but um how can you identify those if there's no if it's not documented and tested documented. and yeah, you got to do that you really have to do that and i think we push so hard as an industry to throw bodies at work because mm-hmm. you have to i mean it, don't get me wrong it, it's for profit and it's revenue driven um yeah it's that's the way it is um but there's got to be a balance struck there because if you get so far removed from office to field and you've got 50 guys out in the field Mm -hmm. and you've not done any training other than the initial onboarding Mm -hmm. and there's no follow-up field training there's no No mentoring Mm -hmm. there's no quantifying what they know and don't know Mm -hmm. then that gap's going to grow and it's going to become an abyss and before long joe's out here doing god knows what and you don't know about it because you're removed back here you don't have any oversight you don't have any uh, knowledge of what he's really capable of and what he's been tested on. Mm-hmm. So just trying to keep that balance. It's it's a balance because it costs money to sure. train these guys, you know, but where did your passion so going back to when you were in the field 
and you have this initial onboarding training and you're asking a bunch of questions. When you, when you said that, what that made me think of was what advice would you give to people that are just joining the oil and gas industry? They're getting their first oil field job. They're stoked. They're excited. They've either just graduated high school or they've been in management. They've been in office roles their whole life. And now they're in this field. Do you think that now, um, 20, I mean, as we're approaching 2019, do you think that people feel more comfortable asking questions or do you think there is still something uh, unsaid culture where you you don't feel comfortable asking questions? I guess I would go to the individual. You know, there used to be an old mindset in the patch of I can't convey what I know to you Mm -hmm. because you might take my job. You know, Do you think that's it. still a valid? I don't. I hope it's not alive still. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I. I mean, we're in the information age. Yeah. Um, so if we I was mm-hmm. uh, a newbie coming into the patch, I would take. What advice would you give them? Yeah. Take every training that you can get from the company. Um, okay. Talk to everyone around you because everyone can offer insight and advice. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But, okay. Um, if we were working together, there'd be things you could offer me and teach me, and I would learn from you. Mm-hmm. We would trade those. Um, but everyone that I worked around, as much as I could, there would be an opportunity to learn from them, mm-hmm. find out their story, find out what they know. Each person is going to give you a kernel mm-hmm. of knowledge, maybe more than one. Um, I like what you said, their story. Yeah, they all have a story. They all came up a different way. They all have different strengths. Mm-hmm. They've all been exposed to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Internet and YouTube there are thousands of programs out there that you can get your hands on for free. I was going to say free or not. So, so somewhere. Uh, Yale, Harvard, um, if you go on iTunes University, mm-hmm. they have free podcasts on there, free trainings. There's a lot of free college trainings out there. Then you have, wow. uh, well, uh, shameless plug, True Safety University. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have your program here. Um, Ames has an incredible oil and gas uh, degree. They do. And, and that's, I like what you said, talking to the people first. Because we get a lot of people, and I know you probably get a lot of people, too, that ask you, how do I get into the oil and gas Mm -hmm. industry? Um, Not even so much who's hiring, but how do I get this experience before I – how do I get some common ground knowledge before I even begin? Because I don't know if they're getting told when they're applying, hey, we're looking for one to two years experience or what what the requirements are for a lot of the companies now. I feel like a lot of companies right now are hiring anybody that's – willing to work this type of schedule and put in the work. But, um, but yeah, I think that people want to know what it takes. What would you say further than education? What is it, what does it take now as we're approaching 2019? What do you think it takes to make it in the oil and gas industry? It's going to take a lot of grit first and foremost. Um, okay. it can't be the oil field starter pack of uh, a flat brim <laughs> ball cap and a affliction t-shirt and, a uh, lifted truck with LEDs all over it. Uh, that's the oil field starting pack. I'm sure I that's love an that. alluring, alluring vision, but um, you know, that seven hundred dollar a month truck payment is tough. So, um, yeah. it, you know, you're going to be working in the elements. Uh, it's cold. It's hot. It's windy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for the faint of heart by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Might be missing holidays. Yeah. Might gonna, be missing birthdays. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to turn wrenches. You're not sitting in the truck watching TV. Mm-hmm. You're going to be out there moving and shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so first and foremost, I'd you know remind them, hey, you're you're coming out into a tough industry. You know the guys and gals out there, they work. Mm-hmm. You know, they work. There's a they really work, and there's a level of expectation of you're going to hit the ground running and uh, bust your butt, and it's going to be long days and long nights. You know, and that's just the norm. And then for the people asking, okay, 
not so much how do I get in the oil and gas industry, but how do I succeed in this industry? How do I move up quickly? I know a lot of people ask that. I want to know. I know what my response would be, but what would your response be for someone that says, how do I move up? I think it would be constant, constant learning. It has to be. Learning something every day. Um, putting a plan in place. Uh, if you don't have a vision board, I've got a vision board at home. So do I. Every year, yeah. So do I, yeah. So that I can target my goals. Mike Stewart was huge on teaching me goal driving and uh, really? setting goals and chasing them and knocking them out. And um, there's some In your personal and your business mm-hmm. life. Yep, yep. Man, what a oh, great I can't, manager. I can't function on Saturday on a day off without a to-do list. Me Saturday, too. So. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day that the four-day vacation, uh, four-day Thanksgiving break, mm-hmm. I really struggle with that. I've always struggled with... <laughs> drive, 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 go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, I struggle with time off. I didn't like that. Ha- and I know it was time away from the office, but mm-hmm. I had to keep my mind going. I had to do things from my computer or just little... Being productive makes me happy. And yeah, I don't like going. having time off. That's a whole nother deal. Yeah, but yeah. that's a whole nother it situation. Is. But going back to what you said, with you said it was Mike Stewart. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, mentoring and not just a business sense, but mm-hmm. personal, really showing you goal setting and things like that. Um, going back to the training side, what sparked your passion with training? Because like we said before the podcast started is to be an effective trainer. I think that anybody can train if they really put their mind to it. But what to you makes a phenomenal instructor because I've always said to you, you have something special and I'm, and I'm being so serious. You have, <laughs> oh, I'm special. All right. Yeah, you <laughs> you just ask, a, ask a few people out there. They'll tell you. Please comment below. Yeah. If you think Rick is special, it's no that special power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I but, can't wait to see the comments. <laughs> I love, yeah. Tag your friends. <laughs> but I think to be an effective trainer, there's something that person has something. When you take a class, you know the difference. Hey, this guy was knowledgeable. This person communicated effectively. That's that's you know a, a good class, but a phenomenal class is like, man, I really really learned something. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving the class better than I was and stronger. And there's just something when you there's something that you take away that's different. Um, and I think it has everything to do with the instructor, not so much always the content. So, I mean, what makes great training? There's a balance to be struck there, but I mean, there's some incredible operators out there that are horrific trainers and don't want to train or couldn't train yeah. out of a wet paper bag. Like there's Yeah, so they're experienced. No to them, yeah, but, yeah. Um, they're experienced. Some, some, they have content, but yep. they can't. So then what makes <clears throat> it, why, why are you so passionate about training? I feel like the instructor has to... They have to care deeply about their students. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it has to be bigger than you. Okay. It can't be about you. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a performance. It's a show at times. Um, it is. But it has to be genuine. It can't be a fake show. You know? mm-hmm. So first and foremost, as a trainer, you have to know the material inside and out and be forever learning. And pro that. tip number one, because you're a pro in <laughs> safety training and in developing courseware. But, I mean... Um, so that's number one, is yeah. knowing your content you so know. well. You have to know it. Okay, okay. So that's one yeah. tip. To- Forever learning. So mm-hmm. um, you have to have a passion and a fire in your belly. For me, I came into the industry, saw immediately there was a need for standardized training. Okay. And, I mean, everybody's known that for decades. The mm-hmm. industry has done an up-and-down job of it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I love this industry and, and I was so passionate about, man, this is a great group of hardworking men and women. The job is fun. Mm-hmm. It's intriguing to me, you know, this mystery. The first guy that showed me a separator said, well, it comes in here and then some magic happens in here and then out <laughs> comes oil, gas, and water. I'm like, great, this is the guy I'm with. <laughs> That's what he told and, you. Some magic yeah. happened, a.k.a. I don't know yeah. what happens magic. here. Magic. <laughs> like, great. Thanks, Marlon. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, the second guy was with Neil Fisher. Uh, or not Neil Fisher. Uh, I'm transposing beer and, and oil and gas. Um, Neil Ramirez, great teacher who came into the industry. Mm-hmm. And so he was a, a great mentor for me and taught me a lot. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to carry that forward. I saw the need in the industry. I didn't want anybody else to come into the industry, get a green hat and a wrench and say, good luck, don't die. So I started building training first and foremost for myself selfishly and oh, learning man. from everyone I could so that I could be comfortable with what I was doing. Could I name everything on the pad? Yeah. Did I know every part at the wellhead for each piece, what was happening to the oil and gas and water along the way mm-hmm, from beginning mm-hmm. to end? You know, it's a, it's a giant organism with a lot of small organisms making it up, and they all relate to each other, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know that, but then I wanted to pass that on and leave an impact uh, and make my time valuable in the industry, not for self, but for everybody that came along behind me and anybody I could help. You've said that from the day I met you. I remember you saying that I want to... Not create content to say, I made this, Ricky Bobby made this. I remember, and I'm just I'm I'm just getting back to this moment. So when we met, you reached out to me as a contractor to do training. And I'll never forget, you were at my office and you showed me the curriculum that you had developed over the last um, couple years of your career. And I specifically remember you said, take this and use it. And you can do what you want with it. You can um, customize it to fit your audience, but have it. And I was like, what? Why are you letting me have this? Because at that time, I mean, I guess it's with every industry, but in the safety industry, it was like, this is mine. I created (laughs) this and nobody can know it. And nobody can know anything about what. And this is all mine. This is trademark. And you just openly gave me all of your content which was your experience experiences Mm -hmm. and you just were like hey this isn't mine I want I don't want I'm not giving this to you Apollonia but I'm giving this to all the students that you have an opportunity to impact on a weekly basis yeah and And I was like oh my god you can't be covetous with it Um, now granted there's some proprietary stuff right right that you have to um, hold back and that's for each company to hold and yes. but we're all doing the same thing it's oil gas and water mm-hmm. we're separating the liquids drying the gas everybody's doing it right mm-hmm. everybody's got a nuance and specific way they're doing things but at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's oil gas and water and we're all doing the same things and so you can't be covetous with that information mm-hmm. uh, it also doesn't mean that it's the end-all be-all you know so it's take it with a grain of salt put it as tools in your toolbox the old saying right mm-hmm. and if it benefits you great if it's not for you in your particular arena mm-hmm. psh, throw it out right yeah yeah um, but you've got to share it you know and it can't be about you it's mm-hmm. it's i hope to leave the industry better than i found it and mm-hmm. have made a positive impact in the lives of everyone i touched out in the industry mm-hmm. um, but it can't be about me it needs to be about their growth and have them take it and watch them blossom the big thing for me is when i'm training with somebody mm-hmm. watching them go from either I've been in the patch for 10 years, what are you going to tell me, to, oh, wow, 
uh, I had no idea. And let me share what I know and watch them grow and become a trainer on their own in some respects or become more empowered Mm -hmm. and see the light bulbs go off for the new ones. That's Mm -hmm. huge. That's for me, that's, that's the, uh, if, if you can use a bad phrase, that's the drug. Um, for me, that's the rush is watching the light bulbs go off for, uh, the new hires and the trainees or watching the old dogs that can't be taught new tricks suddenly become empowered and energized and, and then they leave and they go train somebody and they pass on what they've known and you just watch that grow and you never know how far that ripple effect's going to go. Rick, I just, I heard, yeah, I just took away so much from what you just said, but some of the things that really popped out were number one, as an instructor, if you're really in this industry to make an impact, Number one, if you're if you have the opportunity to be in front of a crowd of new hires or like you said, experienced um, hands, number one, know your material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but number two, you said be you're you were you just just sharing your experience. You're super passionate mm-hmm. and you were hungry mm-hmm. and eager to learn more from your students than you were prepared to offer. I guess. And so having that mindset and then having the goal in mind is the third thing I heard you say, the having the goal in mind of seeing somebody light up in your class. Oh, yeah, it's huge. And, and so knowing your material, being passionate about what you're training, being prepared, but having the intent in mind that I just I want somebody to actually take something away from today every single time, even if it's a basic first aid class or if it's oh, a, yeah. if a monthly safety meeting, that you're able to spark some type of conversation, strike someone in a way if you're sharing an experience or getting the crowd to maybe share their experiences, but having having somebody just physically just be like wow I, I learned something so I mean that's that's your I guess mindset when you're teaching a class oh it's a blast it's an absolute what goes blast. through your mind when you're teaching a class um getting to know, it's relational it has to be relational um so that's your mindset so you so just take us through really quick you're about to t- teach a class whether you're in front of um a couple hundred people uh, a small safety meeting whatever but what, what are the main things that go through your head? Preparation is huge. Okay. Um, Mike Stewart, my old partner. Uh, Preparation, like, even though you're experienced, you know oh, your yeah, material. No, no, yeah. yeah. I learned so much with uh, Mike Stewart and Zach Houston uh, when we were together about preparing for. There's so much preparation in the background. There is. And oh, even, people don't understand that. Uh, an instructor's guide. I mean, you know the material inside and out. You've taught the class 30 times, but you've still got your list to go by so that you don't miss anything. And it's okay. So going back to quantifying and, and taking the job down to that level where it's all checklisted off, mm-hmm. it's the same way for the instructor. You know, you have to okay. live it. So it's a checklist to go through that presentation to make sure I'm hitting all the marks and I haven't skipped anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, adding notes out for the next one like, oh, that was great. So-and-so brought this up in the class. I'm going to add that on there, you know. Um, so carry, oh, like this it continues story. to grow, right? So okay. your program continues to grow class by class. But So, before so that's this, something you're always thinking about is always. what can I add to this class? Or getting uh, one of my favorites and some of the best trainings I've been a part of. Um, first of all, they're not about you just up there, blah, 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 blah. You know, nobody wants death by PowerPoint. No one wants death by PowerPoint. Nobody wants to be lectured to death. It's got to be engaging. Don't make it about you. It yeah, has to be engaging. Yeah. And it's got to be relevant. It has to be a value add to their craft. I love that. Um, because oh, love you can that. beat people to death with these books this thick or a bunch of training. Uh, you know, and early on, we put out a couple together that we were like, oh, man, that was atrocious. We got to fix that. You know? But you're um, self-aware and you're willing. Yeah, you're so, so humble enough to admit that. Ever and you're like, refining okay. it, making okay. it better. And some of the best ones I've been a part of uh, going out to the field, getting with the troops out there and say, hey, I'm trying to put this together. 
I've got some ideas. Oh uh, what do you gosh. think from your perspective? Yes. And they'll send me photos. You know, there's some rules there. You got to be careful about certain photos you take. First of all, it has to be intrinsically safe. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't be. You got a couple guys oh sending God. you pictures. Yeah. Add this to my yeah. trading class. It's yeah. me on a. What's this on top of the tank? <laughs> no. Get down. No. No. We don't do that anymore. No. Um, but getting those guys involved and getting them to submit info or give you ideas or, or help you develop the training. That's even the best thing I've heard. Piece. Man, to see them in class and you're teaching the same curriculum you just put together with them mm-hmm. and you give them props in the class, even if it's for a quick minute, uh, watching them light up and sit up in the chair and then they're going, hey, I took That's that photo. That's my picture. Yeah, well, that was my pad, you know, or I helped build that. Now there's ownership. Now they're invested. Okay. They're part of it. They're not being taught. They're learning together. They're training together. You know, so you- That's another pro tip. I mean, we have, we have a diverse audience, but for managers, for safety professionals, for trainers, for whatever role you are, and you have the opportunity to impact the people that you're working with, I love what you just said. To, to, if you're looking to better your training, if you're looking to do more with your program, what I just heard you say is get feedback mm-hmm. from the guys and girls in the field and see what were you saying? See what they want. See what they um, value most, and get their just simply get their feedback and see what type of content this type of training um, could use. Yeah, the training's for them. It's it's the again, training's it's for them. It's not, it's not about you. So many instructors are like. Here's what I've done. I'm the latest oh and greatest, God. and yeah. um, so that's really, really good. It's about them. That's it's a good for them. Tip. I'm their servant. I'm in a support role, right? We're training. It's a mindset. We're either training together, or I'm doing direct lead instruction, which is boring and a drag, right? Nobody wants that. Nobody mm-hmm. wants death by PowerPoint. Nobody wants boring lecture. What they want is to train together, and that's the best way we're going to learn. And they have a lot to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. They're out, boots on the ground every day. Mm-hmm. So they have a frontline vision every mm-hmm. day, right? So they're the best audience, but they're also the best input, right, because they oh see it every gosh. day. So you've got to merge that together. Now, there has to be a curriculum, and there's certain things we have to cover, mm-hmm. and there's certain topics we have to go over, and there's uh, an ultimate goal to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's only going to get better if we augment it with what they know, what they're seeing every day. And we go back after each class, get candid feedback. I love that. And say, how do we get better? What would you like to see? What Mm -hmm. would you like to remove? You Mm -hmm. know, and take all that in and make it better each time. I've heard you say the word serve about at least 10 times to kind of wrap things up. What does servant leadership mean to you? And And what's interesting and special about talking with you today is everyone who's going to be watching this um, that knows you, they've had even just a quick interaction with you at your restaurant, or they've had an opportunity to work with you. You're the same person. You're the same person that you were. <laughs> same train wreck. No, <laughs> you're so humble, but you're the same. Like, so what we talk about, people are going to be like, yeah, I know that about him. Because you, when we talk about servant leadership, I, I feel that the, that term gets thrown around a lot. I don't it think it gets that, used loosely. It does. Yeah. I don't think people really understand it. Um, but there's just something special about you and the way that you treat people and the way that you view your legacy and impact. But I just am curious, what does servant leadership mean for you personally? Uh, for me, it starts with my faith, obviously. Um, so there's the ultimate servant leadership example for me. Uh, you know, 
So that's my Lord and Savior. But, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know my calling. Love God, like beer, live to serve. That's what I try to live by, whether it's in the patch, at the brew pub, um, whether it's at home or play. Um, but it really has to be that kind of mindset. Um, mm-hmm. Am I serving the people around me? Am I making them better? Um, and it's not without fault. Made plenty of mistakes along the way. Sure. Um, burning so hard to try to drive training and do the things I saw in vision. Sometimes you can burn people up along the way unintentionally. So learning that fast and furious to the end zone for your goal is not always the best way because you can mm. really burn some people up with friction along the way unintentionally. So it's mm-hmm, been a mm-hmm. growth process, but mm-hmm. um, really making it not about you. Okay. And you know, whether you're training, whether you're yeah. in a leadership role, whether I mean it's just coworker <clears throat> to coworker, I think this applies to to just life. It's and a privilege. It's a privilege. It really is. You have to just see it with a different mindset. So everyone I get to interact with, right? Whether it's at the coffee shop or out in the patch or at the brew pub or wherever I'm at, um, they're in my circle and they've been placed in my circle and I have an opportunity to impact them, mm-hmm. maybe in a small way, maybe in a big way. I, I may never know how much I get to impact them, but mm-hmm. they're going to get the very best I can give them mm-hmm. in whatever capacity that is and in whatever um, context it is. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not making people's lives better, I'm wasting my time. You know, You're That's right. what I need to leave behind. Mm-hmm. Is It's not the impact uh, and legacy about my name. Mm-hmm. It's paying it forward, making sure I'm putting that out there. And making their lives better having known me. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. And I see you live that. I've known you for a couple years now. And nothing that you said surprises me about (laughs) you because that's truly who you are. So I'm I'm so grateful to have a friendship with you. I'm so grateful that we get to work together and we have, we're going to be partnering on a few things and I'm just I'm really fun. grateful. Thank you. Really quick, can you tell everyone a little bit about where your restaurant is at and maybe just a little bit about your business? Sure. Um, Rocky Mountain Tap House is out in St. Michael's Town Square. It's Gorgeous. On, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's on I the uh, it. far west end of Greeley out at 65th Ave and Highway 34. There's a little town square out there just south of the new UC Health Hospital. Uh, the you have tavern. some good people there. Oh, we have a good crew. We really do. We have a good team. Like, really Solid. good people. They are ride or die, too. Yeah. Opening a new business is tough. Oh, my God. That's a whole other podcast. Oh we'll talk God. about real entrepreneurship and all. I mean, there's so much out there that's like, Oh my gosh, having a business is so easy I'm and starter. Da, 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 da. Oh. I mean, I feel like I'm just like it's the hardest thing I've ever. It's the hardest done. thing I've ever yeah, done. It's the hardest thing I've ever. And done. people think it's so. It, no. Yeah. So uh, we could. That's a. We could yeah. say that for another time of just what it takes to build a team. And I mean, there's just so much. It's huge. It's, it's, it's huge. great. And then how did so you? So we know? have a uh, we have an oil filled original cream ale that uh, again going back to being taught and paying it forward. I call it pouring it forward. One, That's one of the guys, awesome. yeah, one of the guys in the patch, my old partner Zach, taught me about craft beer. Okay, okay. And then one of my other partners in the patch, Jason, uh, he's a pumper. Okay. Uh, he taught me how to brew, and they set me on fire and set me down the road with this passion to brew beer and and serve others out uh, at the tap house. And so we have this four barrel nano brewery okay. with a small uh, kitchen, and we serve a unique oilfield beer called oilfield original it's a light easy drinking cream ale but it's dedicated okay. to the men and women in the patch okay thank you for that that little history in the why mm-hmm. because i didn't know that i didn't i've seen oh yeah I, I know i know there's unique things on the menu and to hear the little story behind it um i didn't know yeah that. it's, so it's cool. cool it's neat okay. all right well i appreciate it thank you again i love we'll probably be lunch at your restaurant this, this is, is awesome. <laughs> this is good the more you can do this the better 
Cool. Well, thank you guys. And that's it for today. If you guys have any comments, anything, please follow Rick. Follow. You guys have your social. Uh, do you have a we page? Do. Um, yep. Just Rocky Mountain Tap House? Yep, we're okay. on Facebook, we're on Snapchat and Instagram, we're all over the place. I need tips on how this guy goes live all the time. It's just, you're incredible. Your social media game is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. I know you're super busy. So thank you for making the time to be here today. My pleasure. Thank awesome. you, man. Thank you, guys. See ya.